This isn't my story, but it was told to me by a teacher who just so happened to know why a local storyteller stopped telling ghost stories. Why would anyone stop telling Hawaiian ghost stories, you ask? Well, mostly because, doing so, you're literally inviting them to come in. The more stories you tell, the more spirits that come to visit. This was your average Hawaiian night. The storyteller and his wife were driving along an empty freeway after a night of telling local stories at a party. After some time on the road, the wife noticed a pair of headlights behind them. She pointed it out to her husband. He looked in the rearview mirror to see not police lights, but a pair of fireballs coming right up behind them. Now the thing about fireballs is that they're there for one of two reasons. Either they're warning you that something bad is about to happen, or someone is trying to place a curse on you. With this information on hand, and two fireballs gaining, the storyteller jammed on the gas pedal and tried to shake the fireballs off. However, when they arrived at their house, not wanting their home to be cursed, the storyteller slammed on the brakes, only to watch the fireballs fly past them and land one on each side of the driveway. The storyteller and his wife stared in awe, realizing suddenly that the fireballs were changing into some kind of creature. In the blink of an eye, the fireballs transformed into two massive white dogs guarding the driveway like stone guardians of a Chinese temple. White dogs in Hawaii are either protectors or demonic predators. Having no idea what else to do, the storyteller quickly zoomed up the driveway between them, parked the car, got out, and ran like hell for the house. When they looked out the window, there was no sign of the dogs or of anything burnt in the driveway. Were the fireballs really warning the storyteller of something? Were the dogs trying to protect him and his wife? Were they figments of their imagination after a long night of partying? Or maybe they just wanted to scare the storyteller for good fun. Point being, when telling ghost stories, be sure to tell them with the utmost respect, because who knows who or what might be listening in. Hi, I'm Jamie Markey. And I'm Michael Tatum, and this is Cool Intentions. Oh my god, it worked. That felt so much better. It did. That was good. <laughs> we discussed this last time. And and you feel better about it? I do feel better. I feel like I can get through my name without too much embarrassment if I if there's a goal in mind. Right. And and if saying that And this. Is That's the goal. all you have to and say. This. Yeah, and th this. yeah, and this. Like I that yeah. Then I guess the yeah, and then I'm not in the limelight, which I thought you were going to say, and this is goal intentions, but you paused, so I went for it. I yeah, that's I thought it was great. I like, I like when you say this is goal intentions, or I like you say the name. Is ghoul intentions. Because we should credit you with the name. You always have had the name. Ghoul intentions was your baby. Well, and but, it was brilliant, and I loved it. Well, thank it. you. So we've kept with it. You rejected my first one. What was your first one? Ghosticles. Ugh, yeah, a lot of fucking good that did me. Because <laughs> we used it anyway. We used it anyway. This is not a Ghosticles um, episode. No, this is Ghoul Intentions. And the title is what? Um, It is An End to Journey Toward. It an comes end from... To journey toward. Yeah, an End toward. to Journey Toward. 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 Spell that. T-O-W-A-R-D. Toward. What, you wouldn't just say toward? toward. 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 No, like I wouldn't. Toward. 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 Yeah. Toward. You're like putting it. <laughs> you were like, saying toward. 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 You were saying toward, like forward with a T. Like there was an or, like an like an or, or in there. 
So oh. it's an interjourney toward, right? It's just how my, <laughs> that's the sound my mouth makes when I'm making a W I, I'm just, on the just, way. I'm just, to what word? To what word? Now I can't even toward. do it like you were doing it. You're probably saying it right and I'm over here. Tarward. <laughs> an interjourney toward. Yeah, because that's our... We're not sure how to pronounce it. There's, there's going to be a lot of that in this episode. That's I just right. want our listeners to be that's aware. That's part of why we chose this I am this notorious for title. pronouncing things abysmally wrong. It's, yeah, this is going to be great. Actually, this oh. wasn't chosen because of that. Um, it's actually <laughs> from The Left Hand of Darkness, written uh, by Ursula K. Le Guin. Is Le Guin, that yeah. Le that, well, that's how I've always pronounced it. Right, I'm, it's I'm probably sure. wrong. It's probably... We're just going to say that right now because we It's probably Franklin. It. Yeah, right. Um, knowing me. Um, the whole quote is, It is good to have an end to journey toward, but it is the journey that matters in the end. Mm. So I love The Left Hand of Darkness. Is yeah. one of my favorite sci-fi slash fantasy, right. science fantasy. I mean, it's I considered it. one of the best. It's great. Well, she was a remarkable, remarkable writer and, and a remarkable person. Yeah. She passed away not so long ago. Actually. Oh. Interesting. But you might know her as uh, she was the creator of uh, Earthsea, the Earthsea novels. Oh, of course, yes, yeah, and, the Earthsea uh, novels. I am very well aware of those and have read them all <laughs> cover to cover two to three times each. They're really wonderful and shut up. Um, uh, <laughs> I am not proud of not having read all I'm just saying. Uh, I, the, the Earthsea books are considered some of the finest uh, young adult uh, fiction in the genre uh, written ever mm. and, and, and with good reason but she wrote a lot of uh, she wrote for all ages um, a lot of more adult oriented stuff like Left Hand of Darkness and in Left Hand of Darkness it's uh, essentially the story of an ambassador from an advanced race mm -hmm. from you know some far reaching um planet or galaxy that comes to a planet that does not know about them and so he's kind of you know kind of easing them into the idea that, hey, there are other people out in the universe. And it's not Earth, it's another planet he's come to where the uh, inhabitants, the dominant race, uh, can change their gender at will. Oh. And and so she, uh, Le Guin, is exploring the idea of how different a culture that would look. Like, they have their own taboos and their own prejudices and their own, you know, right. it's not it's not presented as an idealized society. It's a very realistic portrait of what that might look like. And, and the various, like, religious uh, strains of thought that have come out mm. of that. It's it's really, really, really good. It was okay. the first really thoughtful piece of science fiction I can remember reading. Oh. Um, like, along the lines of, like, Dune, that kind of thing that really start, m makes you think about uh, what what makes a world, what makes a culture, what makes a people who they are. And uh, so I highly, re highly recommend it to, right. uh, to anyone. But it, it's, uh, it's thick reading. Thick reading? Yeah, thick reading. It's right. not it's not what I would call a pot boiler or a page turner. It is definitely one you sit down to read to kind of be um, a wash in ideas rather uh. than for the action. Okay, gotcha. But personally, I love those kind of books. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, real quick win. before we get moving, uh, who who sent in that story? Hmm. That story uh, was sent in by Carolyn, who uh, was from Hawaii, as you might be able to tell, and mm -hmm. who I uh, briefly met uh, at uh, QuaiCon, where I was mm. just a couple weeks ago. You know, that whole thing I had to do where I had to, like, go to Hawaii. Oh, such a drag. <laughs> she just looked away from me in utter disgust. I'm looking out the window and, uh, right now. <laughs> dreaming of various ways for me to fuck off. Look at all that traffic um, you could walk out into. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. There was there was a 
fair amount of traffic in in Honolulu. It's where oh. we were. But mm-hmm. um, but Carolyn came to the ghost uh, story panel, the Ghoul Intentions yeah, panel. Right. I did, where I invited people to come up on stage, and I guess she didn't have the chance to come up. I didn't pick her. Sadly, I should have. Uh, but thank you for submitting your story anyway, because right. it was really really cool. Yeah, I liked um, it. I enjoyed and, it. And we'll we'll get into Hawaii, the tradition of Hawaiian <laughs> ghost storytelling because that's yeah. that's my subject. That's this right. Week. But we'll get to that first. Is what's me. yours? Well, I went to a convention a couple of weeks ago too. Uh huh. And it was in Socorro, New Mexico. Mm. It's not Hawaii. I'm not gonna lie. But it's a cute little town in New Mexico, and I fucking love New Mexico. I don't know what it is. I do, too. There's just something about it. Like, I always feel like it's healing or, like, there's a reset button or something. And I have a a friend who's like, it's the chemtrails. It's absolutely the chemtrails. I don't. (laughs) I do not care. I like it anyway. And so I went. I do. I love it, too. I love the desert in general. Yeah. The New Mexico desert. New Mexico is just. Oh, they're breathtaking. Yeah. So. Uh, it was a small little convention, and there's the New Mexico, um, I'm, I'm going to say it here in a second. Oh, New Mexico Institute of Mining and Technology. It was on campus there, and it was crazy because they do a lot of mining, which mm. means they do a lot of explosions. And oh. so on one side of the mountain, they will do explosions. <laughs> and so we're sitting there Friday evening, and... It would there. We were above a weight room too, so people would drop weights, and you'd kind of hear it, oh, feel yeah. it like that feeling. Yeah. Uh-huh. But then it would be like someone dropped a quadrillion pounds, <laughs> and the whole building would. <laughs> Someone's kind of maxing shake. out. Right, and it was like, is that are those weights? What is going on? And finally, someone was like, oh, those are probably the explosions. They're just on the other side of the mountain, and they happen all the time. And if you're in your dorm room, like it will shake the windows and everything. And they were wow. like, yeah. The freshmen are always really freaked out by it, but you get used to it. That's so funny. <laughs> so there's just these bombs and explosions going off on the other side of the mountain. Kind of like living in Texas during tornado season. Yeah. You just get used to all the thunderstorms. Yeah, yeah, probably. I do love that about here. Like anyone that's from out of state, especially from their like from the West Coast, mm-hmm. they come here and they're like, oh my God, there's so much lightning. Oh my God. When we went to Kansas City, that we there was a, oh, a thunderstorm that went through and we were in this deli or something restaurant something and um it was all glass on one side of it and this Mm -hmm. and it was lightning and thundering and it was shaking and Mm -hmm. there were several people who are not from oklahoma or northern texas that were like what is happening what is this stuff and i was like guys it's just a thunderstorm it's fine the barbecue would still be on if this were back home yeah like it's not that big of a deal and then people from kansas city would be like oh was it okay was it scary i'm like nah this just is home to me it feels good I remember but, I was at a convention years ago, and uh, a tornado hit not even really close to where we were. It was just in the county, and so the the sirens went off, and it was the middle of the night, so everyone in this resort hotel like was asked to go down into like the, the, the utility quarters because it was the safest place, and good for them for doing it. And But it was a little bitty F1. And for those oh, of you geez. that don't know, the Fujita scale, like... Uh, the, the tornado, what the Fujita, 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 like Vegeta, but Fujita. I heard Vegeta, yeah, and I was like, Fuji- hold yeah, it's, up, yeah. it's the Vegeta scale. No, that's a different <laughs> scale altogether. Uh, no, the Fujita scale. Fujita was the uh, was a Japanese oh, that's meteorologist. The F1, F2. Yeah, and that's where the F one, F two comes that's from. Where the F comes from. Yeah, that's where the F comes from. And an F one tornado is the weakest tornado. It's basically a little twister. It's a, yeah. it's a fart in an elevator. That's right. Unpleasant, but you're gonna live, and. Um, but, you know, people that were live up, this was in Ohio, I think, and so tornadoes don't often happen up there. Not enough for people to have any kind of, like, 
you know, um, to have adjusted to Awareness. them like we do here. Yeah. And so people were freaking out. And we, the Texas gang that were there were like, guys, this is, you're going to be, I promise you, this is going to be fine. That yeah. The building is not going to cave in on itself. We're not going to end up in Oz. No. And uh, the next day, like just to give you an idea of how different that experience was for people that aren't used to them because it's just not their weather. <laughs> the next day, some of the younger people at the convention, and I'm talking people in their teens, not little children, um, were like, were afraid to go outside, even though it was perfectly sunny, the, all <laughs> the storm system had pad, they were afraid to go outside because they were convinced the tornado was still out there somewhere. Like, oh, wow. like, <laughs> like a serial killer. Yeah. And it was so <laughs> funny. I was like, wow, you really have no idea how tornadoes work. But that's, you know. Yeah. So but I, even, you know, here in North Texas, when I first moved here, um, it wasn't long after I moved here, there was a tornado not too far from where mm -hmm. I lived, but they didn't know about it until the next day. Oh, yeah. And because it was hidden under cloud cover. Well, mm. in Oklahoma, they know. They can tell you. They can pinpoint the address. Yeah. And, and trace, like, uh -huh. which intersections it will go. It was so, and this was, you know, 20 years ago they could do that. So it was, you know, it's yeah. just night and day the type of skill they have. Um, but, but in Socorro, it was just... Bombs. Just bombs. <laughs> Man-made weather, so to explosions, speak. Explosions, yes. Explosions yeah. and weights dropping on the right. floor. And, of course, like anywhere I go, I'm like, what's the haunted stuff? And so I heard a few haunted <laughs> stories and looked it up. Um, yes. And let's see. I love regional ghost stories. Yes. So, okay, first of all, Socorro is um, in New Mexico. It lies adjacent to the Rio Grande in a landscape dominated by the Rio Grande Rift, or valley and numerous extinct volcanoes, mm. which brings us to it's. It looks like Rio Grande, like Ariana Grande, <laughs> but she has said her name is actually Ariana Grande. But people started calling her Grande, and she can't really change it now. So yeah, that's, she goes by Grande. Talk about it, getting Chrissy Teigen too. Same thing. Really, she's yeah. also called Grande. It's like Teigen. Oh, Teigen. Something like that. Yeah, people people are more familiar familiar with the name Teigen because of Doctor Who. Probably. Yeah. yeah, it's all Doctor Who related, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's where I know the name Tegan from. Yeah, right. Um, the home, of course, to the New Mexico Institute of Mining and Technology. And it's, there's a lot of mining in New Mexico mm -hmm. with the volcanoes and the rift and all of that stuff. Um, for those who don't know what the Rio Grande Rift is, it's basically the Rio Grande River. In the Rio Grande River Valley, tectonic plates shifted, created this river. It goes down through... Basically, Colorado down to, I think, Chihuahua. I think you're right. I think yeah, that's about that where it goes. Right. Um, Chihuahua in Mexico, in Mexico. Not, not just some person's random dog. Yeah, but I'm sure those it crosses the path of many a Chihuahua <laughs> headed down there. Uh, the population in 2012 was just over 8,900. It's 75 miles south of Albuquerque and 146 miles north of Las Cruces, mm -hmm. which is my favorite New Mexico mm -hmm. city. Why is that? Is it just like... It's because my friend lives there, and I just love it. Yeah. I just love Las Cruces. I don't, I don't know. Think I've, I've been, been there a bunch, though. I want to go to Las Cruces. Let's yeah. go to Las Cruces. And that's... Because uh, we're... Uh, is it Amy? Amy, yeah. Yeah. New Mexico State is uh, there. Um, they have a really great creative media institute. Yeah, let's go. Let's yeah. go sometime. And we should, absolutely. And then uh, not too far, like in between uh, Las Cruces and Socorro is Truth or Consequences. Ooh. Which is a city that is absolutely named after the show Truth or Consequences. Yeah, yeah. But it's um, <laughs> it's great. It's you go there for like the spas or like the meth. That's really your options. <laughs> the spas or the meth, <laughs> or you could do both. Or you could do both. I mean, it's your it's your vacation. It's your vacation. 
<laughs> but they have they have hot springs there and hot mineral springs oh, yeah. and massages that are oh. completely reasonably priced. And you can do Airbnbs for cheap. You can have a cheap oh. spa vacation there. I highly recommend it to everyone. Truth or consequences. I love it. Oh we went down on yes, Saturday please. after the convention. It was about an hour away. And we drove to it just to soak for an hour and then drove back and it was totally fucking worth mm. it. But the best time. So um, I like that. I like... Truth or Consequences, that's mm-hmm. probably, mm-hmm. that might be my first favorite because of the spa stuff. And yeah. then Santa Fe, of course. I love Santa oh, Fe. Oh, I do well. love Santa Fe. Yeah. But, I mean, that's, I'm not shitting on any other cities in those Mexico. Just, I love them all. Spots. Yeah. It's great. Okay. So, I got the majority of my information about the ghosts of Socorro from a local historian, Paul Hardin, in an article he wrote called Haunted Socorro, which was originally published in El Defensor Chieftain newspaper. He got first-hand accounts from many of the locals. So here are a few of the haunted locations and local ghost stories of Socorro, New Mexico. There is Valverde Steakhouse. Don't go there. It's no longer open. (laughs) You can't go there. You cannot. After sitting idle for many years, the restaurant in the Valverde Hotel was was completely renovated in 1984. The new Valverde Steakhouse quickly became a favorite fine dining establishment in Socorro. One autumn evening, a few months after their opening debut, the restaurant closed as usual at 9 p.m. Something to keep note of is every restaurant closes, even on the weekends, at 9 p.m. <laughs> in Socorro. So there might the be, yeah, there might be a bar that's open. Till 10. Yeah, <laughs> they won't serve food. But the restaurants, restaurants, it's wow. like you better get there by nine or you're SOL. Damn. Yeah, stores close, everything. It's pretty. Huh. Yeah, it's typical. Typical small town, town yeah. yeah. Uh, like any restaurant, the crew still had an hour or more of work to clean the kitchen after it was closed, wash the pots and pans, and ready the restaurant for the next day's service. Side note: This is when all the shit happens in restaurants before opening and after usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and after closing, yeah. Earlier that evening, <laughs> before opening and after opening. So all the time. That's not what I meant <laughs> at all. <laughs> Earlier that evening, a delivery truck stacked boxes of food and supplies at the rear kitchen door. Following the kitchen cleanup, these boxes had to be carried down to the basement for storage. Fuck a basement. The <laughs> chef and his prep cook carried an arm load of boxes down to the basement, then back up to the kitchen for another load. As the chef made his last trip, he lost track of where his prep cook was. Before turning off the lights, he looked down the narrow staircase to see if he was still in the basement. Instead, he saw an older man dressed in a suit and half-shaven, standing at the bottom of the stairs. Thinking his helper was playing a joke on him, he shouted, What are you doing? Just finishing up over here, he heard his prep cook reply from the kitchen. Uh Uh-oh! Noticing, yeah. I don't know what that sound was. (laughs) It was was, abject horror. It was was something between an uh uh-uh and a uh-uh. Right. I liked it. It was good. (laughs) Noticing his chef suddenly frozen in fear, the prep cook joined him at the stairs to see what the chef was looking at. He also saw the elderly half-shaved gentleman at the foot of the stairs looking up at them. Half-shaved? Half-shaved. That like, it's like half, that's weird. Yeah. The two men exchanged glances. When they looked back to the basement, the old man was gone. Without turning off the lights, the two shaken men ran out of the kitchen and tried to explain what they had seen to the rest of the crew. Their co-workers cautiously entered the kitchen and looked down the basement stairs. However, there was nothing to see. The stairway lights had somehow turned off 
displaying only a pitch-dark basement. This was not the last time the half-shaved man was seen. Over the years, one worker or another would see the elderly gentleman whose face was shaved on one side and bearded on the other. Sometimes he was seen in the basement, other times in the dining room after hours, or entering the men's room. While the owners of the restaurant never saw the man, they did see the flushed faces of their workers after a haunting encounter. Oof. Some believe he may be the original owner of the Balverde Hotel, or perhaps someone who had died suddenly in the building years before. While maybe getting a shave. Maybe. There's another theory, and we'll get there in just a second. Okay. In 1990, the Valverde Steakhouse was sold. Their new owners operated the steakhouse for the next 13 years. It did not take long before the new owners began to hear stories from their workers of strange sightings, hearing footsteps in the vacant halls, or water pitchers in China where flying off the banquet tables. Many of these incidences seemed confined to the rear private banquet room and hallway. Even customers would occasionally report hearing someone in the lavatory rooms when nobody was there or other strange sounds. <laughs> Others simply reported they felt they were being watched. Unfortunately, the Valverde Steakhouse is no longer open, as I said. That being watched thing, too, you never know if that's an effect of plumbing or, you know, some sort of EMF frequency. Yeah, because there's, there's all sorts of natural phenomenon that can cause that. That paranoia. Um, that paranormal. Uh, they've actually done a lot of studies on that. Mm -hmm. And uh, certain, uh, very recently, actually, there was a paper in like the past decade, I think, written on the effect of uh, living too close to power lines. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, and the effect it had on like certain anxiety inducing, not hallucinations, but feelings like of being watched, watched or, or of something bad about to happen, that yeah. that can be caused by being too close to an electromagnetic right. field but of a certain intensity. Normally won't make you see a half shaved. No, it, it yeah. doesn't usually do that. Doesn't? No. no. It's, it's very rare for those things to actually cause hallucinations. Right. So that takes us to the Valverde Hotel which is, of course, the steakhouse was a part of the hotel. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just the restaurant area that seemed to be haunted. Sightings, strange noises, and moving furniture had been noticed for years in the lobby area, which was later converted into a bar and lounge. There have been several reports of lounge guests seeing the figure of a woman in a flowing dress. I'm guessing it's white. <laughs> walking down the stairs. Or blue. Or blue. Uh, walking down the stairs from the second story, only to fade away before reaching the lobby floor. Mm. Others reported hearing talking, sometimes muffled screams, or banging from the vacant basement below them. Fucking basement. Fucking basement. Wait for it. One former regular patron reported that going to the men's room was just the men's room was just feeling of some unseen entity being in there. At least two former bartenders reported seeing ghostly figures sitting at tables when they were cleaning up after closing for the night. And I have said this a lot. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I say it all the time. If you want to get the best ghost story from any location, oh, yeah. go to the bartender. Go to the bartender. Yeah. They or or you know the people that work the kitchen things like mm -hmm. that. The people who get there early. The people who get there early the and stay late. They yeah. have the most experiences. Uh -huh. Every fucking time. It's great. It bartender stories. Send them in. And security personnel. Yes, security. Security too. personnel. Yeah. Send them in. Um, okay. After placing cha chairs on the tables for mopping the floor, one or two chairs would suddenly be found back on the floor. They also reported drink glasses would move around on their own along the bar counter or hearing doors slam after the bar was emptied for the night. A woman in a blue dress. 
Called it. I know you did. <laughs> and a man wearing a white shirt would also appear more than once at the bar. So this is different than the woman on the stairs. This is in the bar specifically. Wow, okay, okay. According to the a Southwest... Of, a lot of ghosts in this I know. According to the Southwest Ghost Hunters Association, who has investigated the sightings in the Valverde on s several occasions, it is believed at least 10 people have died in the old hotel. There are five known suicides, and a fire occurred in the 1920s. The news story on this deadly accident has yet to be located in the Socorro Chieftain archives, so grain of salt under your tongue. <laughs> I know I'm going to live to regret Never. having coined that phrase. Grain of salt under your tongue. Yeah, Michael I, says that, by the way. I said it once. Now I don't say it. It's not I a thing I him. do all the time. It's just, it was one, it was, I, I ran up the flagpole in a moment of weakness. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it was great though. I loved it. So it's, that doesn't mean it didn't happen. You have a small town like this. They may not be as big into the archiving as larger cities or Sometimes cities that are more, yeah. you know, passionate about their history. Not that Socorro isn't, but well, but for history, like for like, you have to have someone that's dedicated to it. And uh -huh. in a big city, the odds are good that there's enough people there that, yeah. that have the time to look at history and record keeping to do it. But in small towns, like maybe not, there might yeah. not be anyone there that has the time. That's true, or, uh, or the inclination. You know, if something happened to the archives, you mm -hmm. know, you never know. But anyway, that said, the boiler room does show clear signs of a past fire with scorched timbers and old repair work to the floor joists and supports. So there was a fire. Interestingly, the boiler room where the five men supposedly died in the fire is located directly underneath the lobby and bar area where people have heard the banging and muffled screams below. Mm. Also, there's theory that the man with the half-shaven face, if it's not half-shaved, that's it's where it burned just, off. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So that's another theory about that guy. Oh. I know. Oh, that's disturbing to yeah. picture. So we're going to leave the Valverde. And you said it's closed now, right? It's not it's open It's all closed, anymore? yeah. That's a shame. I don't think the hotel's open anymore either because I couldn't oh. find reservations for it. Um, mm -hmm. Socorro County Courthouse. It is the most haunted building in Socorro. Some years ago, several workers in the clerk's office were working late preparing for an upcoming election. Working in the West Room edition, the door suddenly slammed and locked them inside. The lights flickered on and off. They could hear talking and moaning sounds coming from the brick walls. Ooh. Fortunately, another office worker heard their screams and opened the safe-like metal door. They all immediately fled the building and refused to ever work alone again in the courthouse at night, a conviction they maintained to this, to this day. They maintain to this day, but, you know, if Some they're still ghosts didn't want to recount. Yeah. Years later, before another election, a different crew in the clerk's office was working late. They were told when they were done for the night to call the jail and the deputy sheriff on duty would escort the workers to their cars. As they were preparing to leave for the night, they heard footsteps echoing toward them, towards them, <laughs> down the pitch dark hallway Why from the jail. Why like that? Towards. 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 It's just towards. Towards. You're like... I, There's an I, O in there. Yeah. But it's towards. Like, the O no, is just I kind of elided. That's how I was... Towards. 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 It's... You're, towards. It's towards. It sounds towards. Like, That's what I you're say. You're saying... Well, you're saying towards, and I just never... I've never heard it like towards. that. Towards. 
Towards. Well, see, that's that's towards. Nancy. Now you're saying it like I say it, but that's no. Not you're saying you're towards. Saying. Yeah, that's because towards. 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 The O's just elided, so it's just. But you're towards. emphasizing the words, not the toe. Yeah, that's how I've always said it. Towards. Towards. <sighs> anyway. Towards. Anyway. Cool whip. <laughs> cool whip. As they were preparing to leave for the night, they heard footsteps echoing towards them down the. <laughs> now pitch. you're just doing it to be antagonistic. Listen to my story. I'm listening. I just can't. I keep harping on the words. Sorry. They heard footsteps echoing in their direction <laughs> down the pitch dark hallway from the jail. They assumed it was one of the deputies, but then the footsteps stopped. Mm. There was nobody there. Mm-mm. The frightened workers dashed for the front doors of the courthouse. When they reached the entrance, the front doors opened for them, presumably by the deputy sheriff. As they flew out of the building, the doors closed behind them, but again, there was nobody there and no sheriff. Ooh. Before the days of computers, it often took many late hours in the treasurer's office to keep the ledger books up to date. The employees would use a blender for making enchiladas or burritos for something to eat. One night, they had made enchiladas in the break room. Upon returning to the treasurer's office, they heard the blender turn on, then off, then back on again. Cautiously, they re-entered the break room. Nobody was there, but their food, plates, and tortillas had been scattered in disarray. This happened on several occasions. There are also reports of ledger books flying out of the shelves to crash on the floor, papers suddenly blowing off the desks, and the elevator running between floors for no reason at all, and nobody there. One of the court clerks working late on the second floor heard the elevator rise to the second floor, the doors open, and heard two people talking as they walked down the hall, and heard two people talking as they walked down the hall, and heard two people talking as they walked down the hall. Nobody was there, yet their voices and footsteps continued until they entered the courtroom. Gaining, (laughs) Gaining her nerve, she walked to the courtroom. The doors were locked, the lights were off, yet voices were heard inside the courtroom. No! Reports of the elevator starting by itself, the doors opening, and nobody there is a common experience in the courthouse at night that has been reported for years. But since it's at night, it's probably clear that nobody was there to push the call button, so I wonder if it moves around during the day as well, but nobody pays attention to it. Yeah. You know. All right. That's weird. It's you got to wonder if, like, ghosts do their stuff at night because it stands out more. Right. Like, they're like, oh, if I do this in a day, no one's going to think it's a ghost. Or maybe it's it's all happening at all times, but nobody, they're right, nobody notices. Or it's like Um, the spectral reminiscent of some shady after-hours deal that was going on. Oh, yeah. That's in my movie. Yeah. In the movie I'm writing in my head right now. Maybe they just need to get someone out to repair the elevator, too. I mean, there's no telling. (laughs) Maybe there's someone there still trying to do just that, and no one knows they're stuck. (laughs) Okay, a worker in the assessor's office had to retrieve some records from the basement. Mm. Here we go. As she walked so into the records, I know. What are people going to learn? Just Dial. get a shed. Get a shed. Ignore <laughs> a basement. Fuck a basement. Fuck an attic. Get a shed. <laughs> That's of course, our shed. Sheds can be pretty terrifying, too, really. Yeah, but not as terrifying. Uh, yeah, depends on where they are. Maybe just get rid of your shit and stop being such a fucking hoarder. Maybe that. Fact. <laughs> <laughs> Are you the sort of person like me that watches hoarders on television and like I'll get mad and throw things at the television? I don't throw things, oh, but I, I get do so mad. get upset. I get so fucking mad. I lived it's with a hoarder awful. for years, yeah. so that's probably why. I get that. Oh God, I can't take it. I can't take it. I'll be like, just get rid of the fucking trash. Yeah, but anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, we were watching one of those once, and Serafina 
was like, I am so glad our family will never be like that. And I was like, good girl. <laughs> but anyway. Um, <laughs> She's going to be all right. Yeah. So did we do the assessor's room? Walked into the record storage room. She heard someone in the next room. She called out to see who it was. There was no answer. She nervously gathered the records she needed, but continued to hear someone else move books from the shelves only feet away. Walking over to the area, there was nobody there. On another occasion, a clerk was in the basement when she heard... Did I say that? Is this a different basement one? I think it's a different basement one. Oh, no, yeah. This is a different basement. Okay. More An basements. Another Goddamn. occasion, a clerk was in the basement when she heard footsteps coming down the stairs and walk into the record room across the hall, which is where the previous one took place. The sound of ledger books being pulled off the shelves and slamming onto the floor followed. Rushing across the hall, assuming someone needed help, she found nobody in the room except a stack of ledger books lying amiss on the floor. Mm -hmm. There are many similar stories in the courthouse basement course. Many employees report areas that get very cold or sudden blasts of cold air with the feeling someone is behind you. Some employees will not go into the courthouse basement by themselves. Those are the smart ones. <laughs> Even the custodians who often begin their work day at 4.30 in the morning feel very uncomfortable when in the basement. Another DA's office worker who footstep heard footsteps walking down the hall one Saturday afternoon. He saw the faint outline of a man as he walked past his office. Not sure what he saw, he walked out into the hall and watched the fuzzy shape of a very tall man wearing an old-fashioned black suit, kind of like an undertaker, exit through the east doors. Looking through his office windows, he watched the indistinct figure enter the small courtyard area on the east side of the courthouse and sit down on the bench. The figure turned around and stared at the worker for a moment, then disappeared. Apparently, others have seen this undertaker figure in the courtyard as well. <sighs> Moving on to the county jail. Ooh. Strange occurrences have also been reported in the jail area. One evening, a female detention worker felt someone grab her by the neck. When she turned around to see who was taunting her, nobody was there. She then started to feel a burning sensation on her neck. Later, her co-workers noticed a mark on her neck that clearly looked like a rope burn. <coughs> on another occasion, the sheriff was spending the night in the jail office, which was common at the time, mm. and he was jolted from his sleep by both ankles being grabbed by some unseen force. No. <laughs> even, no. Even recently, two detention workers witnessed a computer mysteriously turn on, the unmistakable sound of a mouse clicking, and an internet browser suddenly appearing on the screen. And there was no one else in the office. Either Ghost someone's... Gotta look, Ghost gotta ask Jeeves, too. That's right. Or you've been hacked. <laughs> by a ghost hacker. By a ghost. <laughs> or by just, like, a, a hacker hacker. Maybe. Unlike the Valverde Hotel, there are no known murders, suicides, executions, or unexpected deaths that have occurred in the courthouse. The exceptions are just a few deaths in the county jail over the years due to overdose or health problems. Mm. For those who have crossed paths with these haunting courthouse spirits, it seems a complete mystery. However. Yes? The current courthouse is built on top of two previous courthouses. The first territorial courthouse, a two-story adobe structure, was built around 1850. Mm -hmm. It was raised for the second Socorro County Courthouse built in 1884, and that building was not taken down for the newest one until 1939. Hmm. Both of these previous courthouses had a jail and hanging scaffolds used for executions. The clerk's office 
sheriff's office, and detention center now lie over the old hanging scaffold areas of the these two former courthouses. Ooh. So it seems... There's more though, history there than they yeah. thought. Oh, I just knocked over my water. Oh, it scared me. It's very loud. <laughs> okay. It's an explosion. There is the... We'll see how I say this. El Torreon? 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 I don't know. Neighborhood. It's <laughs> Toblerone. A neighborhood. Toblerone. T-O-R-R-E-O-N. Torreon? Torreon? Sure. Across the street from the courthouse to the west are several old Socorro houses. On the corner of Park and McCutcheon Streets is one of Socorro's oldest, knowns home, oldest known homes, El Torreon. I sure. thought you said gnome homes, and I was oldest like, gnome <gasps> homes. No, okay. It ties in to our last one. <laughs> um, the center of the structure was built nearly 200 years ago. Today, the house is used for apartments. Past tenants have reported strange phenomenon, as hearing dishes rattle in the kitchen, Lights unexpectedly unexpectedly turning on or off, and a darkened figure floating in front of the television. Ooh. On the corner of Park and Church Streets is the Joseph Smith House, where Socorro's famous photographer, pharmacist, and businessman first lived. That house is also used for apartments, with similar reports of rattling dishes, footsteps in the night, and even the sounds of horses and wagons passing by as if a century ago. Before Joseph Smith purchased El Torreon to expand his home and photo studio, the Lone Star Saloon stood just to the west on Church Street. I love that the saloon was on Church Street. <laughs> Around midnight on One. September 20th, 1880, two drunk cowboys started shooting their guns into the darkness. One slug unexpectedly struck and killed Jose Trujillo. In the skirmish that followed, his friend Remigio, wait, Remigio, 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 Escalante, was also killed. Further down Church Street is the old Methodist church, now used for aluminum recycling. Just a few months following the Trujillo and Escalante killings, Anthony Conklin, editor of the Socorro Sun newspaper, was gunned down at the church on Christmas oh, Eve. Oh, God. The suspected killer, Enofre Baca, was hanged shortly after by the Socorro vigilantes from the nearby hanging tree. In short, just around Park and Church Streets, there were enough murders and senseless killings to haunt any neighborhood. Then there's the Socorro Post Office. Oh. The Socorro Vigilantes took the law into their own hands and hanged six people between 1881 and 1884. However, not all were strung from the hanging tree. From the hanging tree. At least two were lynched from the head post over the Park Hotel Corral. The old hotel was also the scene of several murders and deaths. The Socorro Post Office is built over the site of the Park Hotel Corral, and indeed, two retired postal workers report a few strange experiences. On several occasions, when locking up the post office at 6 p.m., people have been heard in the corridor by the postal boxes, as if accidentally locked in. Entering the corridor, no one was ever seen. Another said now and again, another said now and again, he would hear the sound of a lockbox being opened and footsteps leaving the building, even though the front door was locked. He was always too afraid to look in the hallway to see who was able to walk <laughs> through the walls and disappear into the night, though. Right. Postal workers arrive before sunrise to begin sorting the mail. On various occasions, footsteps and muffled talking could be heard in the building, followed by the strong smell of kerosene lamps. Hmm. Even during the day, some former clerks reported the sense of someone standing behind them while helping customers at the counter. 
That's, I don't like that. Micromanaging. I know. Get off my ass. <laughs> the nearby Sakura Fire Station, also, uh, also hugging the old park hotel, has similar stories. Ooh. Finally. The town is haunted. I know. Reservoir Road. Reservoir Road. A longtime resident of Reservoir Road sits in her living room, using the light from the front windows to sew. Suddenly, a shadow passes by the window. The room gets cold, and she has the feeling someone else is in the room. There never is. At other times, she hears footsteps in the kitchen or in the hallway. She's accepted these intrusions, not necessarily frightened, as she is curious as to who the spirit might be. Not far away, another homeowner reports similar events. Years ago, he explained he and his neighbors would hear the sounds of wagons and men as if on a march. His father told him many of the old-timers talked of hearing the unseen wagons as well. In 1862, following the battle at Valverde, the wounded Confederate soldiers were left in Socorro for medical care in, the, in a makeshift hospital. Twenty-seven of these southern soldiers died in Socorro. Of course, this was all before the days of anesthesia, and it is said one officer committed suicide rather than endure the pain. Ooh. The most likely location of the graves of these soldiers appears to be between the city cemetery, which the Confederates were not allowed to be buried in because they were Catholic. Oh. And Reservoir Road along Peralta Street. Cries from unseen men can be heard from that area. And I lied. There was actually one more. It was another road one, so that's what got me. It's a Highway 60 house. Oh, okay. okay. Quite a while ago, a Socorro man bought a fixer-upper house in West Socorro. The house required considerable repair, which he worked on nights after work. Shortly before buying the home, a terrible accident on nearby US-60 claimed three lives. It didn't take long... Uh, working at night to realize something wasn't quite right with the house. It began one night while replacing the plumbing under the kitchen sink. The front door opened and he heard footsteps leading into the kitchen. He called out to see who it was. There was no answer. Crawling out from under the sink, nobody was found in the house. Night after night, he would hear footsteps and the muffled sounds of talking, usually followed by a loud thud from the back bedroom that would sometimes shake the house. Inspection of the bedroom revealed nothing except a caved-in section of wall by the attic door when he bought the house. Mm. Mm. The man reasoned that lost spirits from the nearby car wreck were haunting his house. He finally approached the priest about the matter, who agreed. The priest visited the house and performed a religious ritual to help the spirits of the dead let it go. Let go. I just automatically said let, let it go. Let it go. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> it just happened. I don't know. It's... That's disturbing. Um, <laughs> anyway, he was like, get out, go, let go. After that, nothing further was experienced. Sometime later, however, the owner of the house was talking to a former sheriff of Socorro County who just happened to mention he had responded to a suicide in that house years before. The man had crawled into the attic, tied one end of the rope around his neck and the other end to a rafter. He hanged himself by jumping through the attic door, snapping his neck instantly. His body slammed against the wall, caving in the drywall, the damage to the wall the owner had previously noticed. Curious about the story, he opened the attic door to look around. He found the hangman's noose and rope still tied to the rafter. <sighs> so that's a few haunted Ooh, stories from my travel to Socorro. That? Ooh. I know. Oh. I, I want to go there now. I know, And right? see all the basements. No. 
Yeah. Like, look, yeah. oh, look. I mean, it was basement, 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 basement. basement and basement, so basement, there's basement, a lesson basement. there. Don't have a basement. It's so much storage, though. It's really hard to... Yeah, you can store all the ghosts there in your basement. Yeah. It's cool. I know. That's what you want. <laughs> that's what you're into. Let's take a quick pee break. All and right. And then I will tell you and my And then it's your turn. Stories. Okay. All right, so you're, it's your turn. Yes. And, and you're doing... These, likewise, these stories, likewise, come from... Are inspired by my travels mm-hmm. recently to uh, Honolulu, Hawaii. Yes. Now, I've been to Hawaii, I've been to Honolulu specifically uh, three times now. And uh, pretty much every time I go, it's Honolulu, Waikiki, uh, Oahu, that area. And, uh, the but, Hawaii area? Yeah, and but I've been to the I've been to the Big Island once. Okay, uh, and seen one of the landmarks that will come up in these this little smattering of tales. What's the name of the Big Island? The Big Island is Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah, but they just call it the Big Island. It's it's, so the whole the whole uh, little enclave of islands is called Hawaii, but it's named for the Big Island with a big big volcano on it that's still active, by the way. Yeah, Uh, and you can yeah, oof, it's really cool. Unless it, you know, erupts and then you're fucked. But right. in the meantime, <laughs> so a lot of these come from, a couple of these come from people I spoke to while I was there, mm-hmm. collecting ghost stories. But a lot of them come from um, this gentleman named Glenn Grant, mm-hmm. who is uh, fairly well known uh, in Hawaii for being like this, this sort of premier collector of of ghost stories. Is he the guy in the book that I sent yes, you? Okay, yes, so yes, was... and I bought I, I bought that very book oh, while nice. I was there. They had it uh, on the shelves yeah. at the local bookstore, and I, I was, was like, yoink! When I was in Socorro... I was talking to somebody about the podcast and that you had gone to Hawaii and we're getting stories. Yeah. And he was like, "Oh, he's got to read this book." And yeah, and, and so, so a lot of the a lot funny. of this comes from that, and and he's got a really engaging style. He's basically the spook journalist. Ooh. And um, yeah, so now the the Hawaiian Islands abound in their own unique supernatural fauna. Right. Um, there are night marchers, giant fireballs known as aquilele. Phantom Hitchhikers, Wandering Coastal Roadways, The Green Lady of Wahiwa, which we'll get to, Vengeful Dead Running Amok in Fashionable High Rises Built Over Long Forgotten Burial Sites, uh, Fairy-Like Elementals Called Minihune, and let's not forget the fierce volcano goddess Pele, without whom the islands wouldn't exist, and whose presence is still felt to this day. The variety of otherworldly denizens is as dazzling as the scenery, and while it's quite possible to talk spooks indigenous to this early paradise without mentioning the cultural influence of Meiji-era Japan, you could also hike up Waikiki's breathtaking diamond head and spend the whole trek looking down at your feet. So, (laughs) let's start with an import from the Issei, or the Japanese who migrated... The Issei, the Japanese who migrated to Hawaii around the turn of the century. Oh, turn of the last century, okay. I should say. Issei's the name of Issei. I-S-S-E-I. Yeah, it's the name of a character in, one of, in a show that I'm, I'm in, well-known for, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, she says she? his name a lot, so it's always like, Issei, Issei. <laughs> I will say um, <laughs> that I'm probably going to pronounce a fuck ton of these names incorrectly. So for those of you listening who know better, um, forgive me. I'm just fucking terrible. He knows not what he does. I, well, I do know what I do. I just don't know how to do it better. Um, <laughs> Fair. Fair. Uh, so uh, Westerners tend to 
scoff at the variety of ghostly creatures found in other cultures. Polynesians uh, tend to recoil at the idea of telling ghost stories because to do so is to invite them in, and they just as soon not have that mm -hmm. uh, be in their bonnet, I suppose. Um, but the Japanese, by contrast, traditionally love to talk about scary shit. Yes. Um, in fact, American folklorist Richard Dorson observes that Japan has more ghostly legends than perhaps any other country in the world. Only fitting, then, that one of its chief exports would make it to Hawaii. The Issei brought with them the time-honored tradition of the Obake story. Obake means a supernatural creature. Mm -hmm. uh, a tale told, an, an Obake story is a tale told on warm summer nights to cool off listeners by way of chills down the spine, also known as chicken skin stories. Ew. I don't like it. We talked about this. Um, I don't like chicken skin. I like goosebumps. <laughs> chicken skin is gross. I think chicken skin is just, it's very, I mean, goosebumps, yeah, I, I like chicken skin. Um, not necessarily better than goosebumps, but the chicken skin is just a fun, I don't know, I just, I'd never encountered that before, and I was like, right. that's, a, that's a clever way of putting it, actually. Um, among the more popular chicken skin stories still in circulation on the islands today that come from uh, the cultural tradition of Meiji Japan uh, are... For example, a vampire in uh, Wahipahu who wears a crown of burning candles and whose long black hair lashes out like tentacles to ensnare her victims. Hmm. Uh, the story of a pair of samurai swords buried outside a Buddhist shrine in Maui that sparks all kinds of poltergeist activity. An entire village on Kauai that went mad in the 1930s, supposedly plagued by the malicious dog spirit Inugami. The list just goes on and on and on. But, for my money... I want to focus on my personal favorite, the haunted uh, Wahiala, I'm going to fucking say this wrong, uh, Wahialahe Drive-In Theater. The Haunted Drive-In Theater. The Wahialahe, it's, it's spelled W-A-I-A-L-A. -A -A How many drive-in theaters are there? Well, it's not, it doesn't exist anymore, but in 1956, at the height of the drive-in craze, mm -hmm. several patrons of the Wahale Theater, uh, named for the road it's on, or uh, was on, rather, crossed paths with a terrifying spirit known in Japanese folklore as the Mujina. Most accounts agree the first, most harrowing account encounter was the night a young woman in the ladies' room noticed another woman brushing her hair over the sink. It was around midnight, so it goes. Our heroine had popped into the bathroom to touch up her, her face. Uh, moments before seeing her mysterious companions, she'd been alone, so she thought. Where had this slight bedraggled woman with long raven black hair come from all of a sudden, and why was her head bent down in such a way as she brushed so as to obscure her face from view, even in the mirror? Thinking something seemed hell. off. She came from hell! Well, you're not... Or the basement. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thinking something seemed off, the young woman approached. The other abruptly turned to face her. Well, face isn't quite the right oh, word. No! She had none. Ugh. Where eyes, nose, and mouth should have been were smooth, featureless uh, acreages of skin like the surface of an egg. That's the very young Japanese. Woman, the young woman screamed. Uh, uh, the other patrons outside uh, heard the commotion and rushed in to try and help. The young woman was rolling around on the floor in hysterics. The faceless attacker had vanished. <sighs> Um, now, this specter caused enough of a stir that despite the manager waving the stories off as totally absurd, when local newspaper columnist Bob Cross wrote an article about it, amateur ghost hunters flocked to the theater in droves to catch a glimpse. 
The theater has long since been demolished and a storage facility built in its place, but Oahu residents still report seeing the mysterious faceless entity from time to time. If you find yourself on Wahale Avenue around midnight, they say, and you see a slight, long-haired woman, her face hidden by her long black tresses, approach at your own risk. <laughs> Don't. Look at her face. Now, some theorize this apparition may have something to do with the nearby cemetery at uh, Kahala, but in actuality, this specter's roots run deep in traditional obake stories from Japan. See, faceless ghosts are rare in Western American and Polynesian folklore. Uh, Wahalehe, fucking saying it wrong, uh, W Road <laughs> <There you laughs> seems go. to be such a fucking, I'm so stupid when it comes to names. No, you're um, not. You just don't know, and this, that's okay. This road seems to be the only place in Hawaii that has such a spirit. Her direct ancestor is the Mujina of uh, Akasaka Road in Meiji, Japan. That's One right. tale recorded by romantic folklorist Lafcado Hearn in his book, uh, Koaidan, Stories of Strange Things, goes as follows. Mm. An itinerant peddler passing through the uh, Kinokunizaka region of Akasaka Road late one night discovers a woman weeping under a tree. Her long, silken tresses obscure her face. When the peddler stops to ask what's wrong, she answers with more weeping. He reaches down and gently touches the poor girl's shoulder, attempting to console her. She snaps up and reveals a face smooth and featureless like the surface of an egg. He runs away in panic and tells his story to a soba merchant he sees traveling in the opposite direction some distance away. After hearing him out, however, the soba, mer the soba merchant laughs and lifts his lantern to his own face, revealing it, too, to be just as featureless as the woman's. The peddler flees never to travel Akasaka Road again. Well, obviously... So there's that. Interesting to note, however, that while the spirit's origins would appear to be Japanese, none of the witnesses who claim to have seen the Wahale specter are of Japanese descent. Oh. Mm, right. So interesting story. And that, yeah. and that for months that, that people were saying, oh, we saw the faceless woman, faceless woman. And now, you know, uh, at the theater and now they see it on the road or some people have seen it at the storage facility. It's a very popular story. <sighs> I, now, when I it ask worked. people about this. I was a little this, warm and now I have goosebumps and I've cooled off. Chicken skin. <laughs> now what what's really cool and what I try to capture in, in the way I, I present these stories is when you ask a local in Hawaii to tell you a ghost story everyone goes well and I mean it's almost like the scene changes it's they yeah. go they could be talking about something else and you go well, would you have any ghost stories and they go yes well and it's almost like they go well once upon a time they frame I mean they're such wonderful storytellers everyone mm -hmm. I encountered in Hawaii and so it's just great. The culture of ghost storytelling there is one that just makes it makes this wonderful place even more fun for me. I'm so happy for you about that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you should go sometime. I should, really, shouldn't really I? That nice. sounds like a great idea. Um, now, uh, Mujina may be Japanese in origin, but the goddess Pele mm -hmm. is 100% her own woman. That's a right. A fierce and capricious volcano goddess credited with forming the Hawaiian Islands, Pele descends directly from the supreme being known as Papa, or the Sky Father, and is said to live with her sisters in uh, Kilauea, Kilauea? Kilauea, an active shield volcano on the big island whose magma flow can still be seen at night magma. from the nearby magma. Uh, can still be seen at night from the local observatory. Oh, wow. Uh, which we've seen. It's really fucking cool. Oh, like when cool. The, you stay there till sundown and you can look over the balcony of this observatory, which is built so you can view the, the mouth of this volcano, so to speak. Um, and there's this glow. 
right in the crack. Exactly. You're like, oh my god, it's oh so gosh. fucking cool. It looks like a little mini horizon. Isn't she the one that you can't take anything? Yeah, we'll okay. get the okay. yes, yes, yes. Uh, as you might expect, legends of her passionate nature reflect that of the geological feature with which she's associated. But the story I find most charming about her involves Moana. A tunnel of trees oh. <laughs> in an island chain as beautiful and picturesque as Hawaii scenic drives that don't hug oceanside cliffs or pass directly through the center of a mountain are kind of hard to come by. But a breathtaking tunnel of trees located on Maluhia Road, M-A-L-U-H-I-A, Maluhia Road in southern Kauai is one of them. The Holoholo Koala Scenic the Holoholo Koloa Scenic Byway serves as the gateway to Kauai's southern shore and is full of magnificent views and gorgeous stops, including a stretch of highway covered in a canopy of eucalyptus trees. The original 500 trees are thought to be planted more than a century ago in 1911 as a gift to the community from Walter McBride, a local pineapple baron that sounds like a fun thing to be no pineapple baron pineapple baron it sounds like a how long do eucalyptus trees live do i guess you take care of them any tree they can live for a long time All right. um legend has it that pele is drawn to the area by its beauty and as a result takes unkindly to pork of any kind being oh. brought through she had a whirlwind fling once upon a time with a hog-headed fertility demigod named yeah. uh, kamapua uh, kamapua uh, whose physical form, alas, seems to have been a little too on the nose, though he was, according to some, stunningly handsome before running afoul of the volcano goddess. Their nasty breakup shook the land. Now, if one dare drives, if one dares to drive through the tunnel of trees with anything remotely resembling the demigod who broke her heart, Pele isn't pleased. One such no story. No Hawaiian pizza's there. <laughs> one such story came to me secondhand from a young man whose parents, he said, were coming home from a proper Hawaiian barbecue one evening several years ago. His uncle was driving them, and it was well after dark. Passing beneath the thick eucalyptus, the jeep began to slow to a crawl. Now, everyone at first thought the uncle, who was known for having a sense of humor and a bit of a practical joker, was just having some fun at their expense as the jeep came to a complete stop. Come on, they moaned. It's late. Let's get home. Ha ha ha. The uncle, however, was white with fear and gripping the steering wheel for all he was worth. His eyes were fixed on the road ahead of him. He indicated the floorboard. His foot, they saw, was pressing the gas pedal all the way down to the floorboards. Yet the jeep refused to budge. There was no obstruction in the road, no reason for them to be stuck. Suddenly, it dawned on them all. Among the barbecue leftovers in the back was a tray of uh, Kalua pork. They scrambled to hoist it out of the jeep and dump it unceremoniously on the side of the road. Instantly, the jeep began to move again. And I imagine that like his, this guy's parents were like, whoa, 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 <laughs> I had to catch back up to it. And they were fine. Then they got out of there just fine. But wow. don't be bringing pork. But then you would think dumping it would be worse because then it's staying there. Well, I don't know. I mean, but, you know, it's, you, you can't go back. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I guess they dump it. Like, I guess maybe it's her way of saying, like, you can't come through here. Right. You will not pass this point. Like, you can you dump it there and leave it there and whatever. They, they, let, let, the, let the dogs on the side of the road eat it because, you know. Yeah, gotcha. Um, uh, and that brings me to highway ghosts. And, and uh, there's a variant of the, the thou shalt not pass with pork <laughs> story <laughs> attaches to... Uh, Nuanu Pali Highway in Oahu. Now, here, if one is bold enough to bring the verboten meat en route, your car will stall, and supposedly a haggard old woman will appear by the side of the road with a dog. Only when you make an offering of the pork to her ferocious-looking beast 
Are you allowed to proceed? Oh. Pele in a less than flattering guise, perhaps? Maybe. Uh, along the stretch of road, originally built in 1845, warriors uh, said to have perished at the hands of King Kamehameha's military, uh, not Kamehameha's. <laughs> it's <laughs> so hard not to say it like that. But King Kamehameha's military, Kamehameha's, yes, thank you. King Kamehameha's military, the soldiers are seen to being marched off a cliff. At the Pali lookout, uh, at the Pali lookout, where the king's bid to unite the island resulted in one of the bloodiest battles in Hawaiian history, an estimated 400 warriors under the command of a Maui chieftain whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce because I will just mangle it. Um, forgive me. Uh, uh, died in that battle, and to this day, witnesses see the doomed company wandering the roadside or plummeting over the cliff on quiet, moonlit nights. Ooh. Another celebrated horror is the Green Lady of uh, Wahiawa. There are many versions of her. Uh, there are as many versions of her as there are people to keep the story alive, but the common denominator follows a pattern somewhat familiar to fans of Mexico's La Llorona. Ooh. An unknown woman, it's said, visited the famed Wahiawa uh, Botanical Gardens sometime in the last century and tended to forsake the bridge um, and insisted on crossing the gulch uh, uh, for fear that her children would be struck by a car. Now, she did this one night, and as darkness fell, her children got separated from her. She lost them in the forest. Searching frantically in the dark, she pleaded with passerby, uh, passersby for help. They, alas, demurred. Before long, she too was lost. Many assumed drowned or died of exposure. Now, she still appears throughout the botanical gardens and a nearby elementary school. Mm. Like on the outskirts, like in the playground or, or just beyond. Uh, she's said to be engulfed head to toe in plant matter and accompanied by a like overpowering rotten odor. Ew. And this wretched specter looks more like the swamp thing than a woman. She wanders the gardens and the grounds of a nearby element, uh, the grounds of the garden and a nearby uh, elementary school looking for her children or someone else's. Ew. To take their place. If you smell something foul amid the hibiscus, they say, don't look back, run. Local children still dare each other to cross the bridge after dark. The green lady is said to snatch them from underneath if they're not quick enough. Ooh. Yeah. That's creepy. And last but not least. Well, hold on, just real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like anytime it's like she's looking for her children, or just like any children, mm -hmm. then maybe that's why her children aren't there. Like, if you're just like, these are my kids and I love them so much, but if they're gone, I'll take you. That's not... <laughs> That's well, not what maybe being a ghost makes you lose a little something of your of your mental faculty. So you're just like you think That's all fair. children are yours. I don't know. It's true. It's true. Who knows what happens um, after? But still. And, and who knows how mentally there she may have been in life to start with? Yeah. Yeah. Or if that's even the story. I mean, it could be she's just an elemental. Right, you know, that everyone's too. like, oh, I bet it's the woman, because we tend to interpret that phenomena in right. terms of what's popular, and so people, you know, it's a very, like, phantom, hitchhike, phantom hitchhikers and, like, you know, women looking for their lost children mm -hmm. are a pretty well-known trope all over the world, and so what if we're just seeing some sort of uh, phenomenon, and that's the story we, we kind of superimpose over it, but that it really has nothing to do with whatever this thing's origins really are. Mm -hmm. Now... While I was there, I got repeated references to, or repeated, like, people, like, you have to look up the, um, the, uh, uh, Kaimuki house. The who he what? The Kaimuki house. Kaimuki, okay. Uh, and this is, um, 
Wow, this is, it's great. Uh, it's really weird too. In 2016, a notorious Honolulu house at the corner of 8th and Harding was torn down in the name of real estate development. Sitting on the foundation of Lava Rock, sitting on a foundation of Lava Rock and known by locals as Hawaii's Amityville, Ooh. Kaimuki House was said to be haunted by a kasha, a man-eating ghoul from Japanese folklore who terrorized residents as far back as 1942, around the time the house was first built. According to a story written in the local paper, which I looked up, uh, police were called to the home one summer's night by a woman who kept repeating, she's trying to kill my children. Gaining entry, the police stood in shock as her three children were repeatedly slapped, strangled, and hurled across the den by an unseen force. Ooh. The mother powerless to do anything. Though she waved tea leaves, she spread Hawaiian salt around in a panic, telling police her son had um, smelled a ghostly odor earlier in the day and that that had angered whatever it was, and it was now taking its revenge on them because it had been found out, which is something apparently the Kasha does not like um, happening. Quote, uh, and this is from the newspaper article, quote, my husband who left me is to blame, she added, without offering further explanation. After a half-hour struggle with the entity, police finally evacuated the family. The mother and her three children went to live with her sister, though it said the children succumbed to their injuries not long after this. Oh, no. More details about that I couldn't find. That's just that it was written in a very kind of pithy way in this newspaper article yeah. that came out in 1942. Um, now, 30 years later, the mother of a girl renting the house called authorities with a hair-raising claim. Her daughter and two friends had heard voices accompanied by the sound of loud footsteps. She told her daughter to come home and spend the night with her just to be safe. Would the police mind giving them an escort? She was worried about them driving by themselves that late at night. Now, en route, the officer entrusted with following them was startled when he saw their car pull violently into a parking lot. When he ran up to see what the problem was, he saw the girl in the driver's seat fending off what... Uh, acting as though she was fending off an invisible attacker. In his report, the policeman wrote, quote, as I reached in to help, a big, strong, callous hand that could not possibly belong to any of the teenage girls grabbed mine and twisted it. I radioed for assistance, end quote. He and the officer who responded got the victim into his patrol car after a brief scuffle with whatever the hell this was, at which point the engine died. When she got out, the car, his patrol car, started just fine. Unsure of what to do next, they elected to follow the girl and her friends as originally planned, because by now things seemed to have calmed down. Along the way, however, the driver's door of her car sprung open and the same girl flew out into the road as if pushed. She rolled around on the pavement, tearing at her throat. Try as they might, the policeman couldn't pry her hands away. Only after what seemed like forever did, th did things settle down, but the girls, needless to say, were traumatized. Yeah. All from just spending a night in this fucking house. And this, there's many, many stories like this, but that's the one that really stuck out because it's part of a fucking police report. Yeah. Now, like, the, what is that movie? Veronica? Is that what it is? It's in Spanish. I don't know. Veronica, I think, is what it is on Netflix. It's great. Now, as to the origins of this malevolent ghost called the Kasha, some sources say a man who lived in the house shortly after it was built killed his wife, daughter, and son in a rage and buried them in the backyard. However, only the wife and son's bodies were found. To this day, it's said the daughter's remains are unaccounted for. 
I could find no evidence of that whatsoever, but that is the popular version of that story. Okay, where um, it came from. But the, uh, the article that mentions the mom who called the police to say, like, my children are being attacked, and then the police seeing that in 1942, mm-hmm. that's from an actual newspaper article that's been archived. And the, the police report about the police officer that was trying to escort the girls away from the house years later... Um, and seeing all that shit happen with the car and then her being like kicked out, that happened too, apparently, at least. Mm-hmm. There's documentation for it. It's not just an urban legend. And that, that, oh man, I could talk. There's so many cool things. Yeah. Like the, the little elementals uh, named the, uh, uh, the Minihune are like, they tend to hang out around waterfalls and stuff. And uh, the guy that I spent a lot of time with uh, when I was in Hawaii told me, like, yeah, I, I knew someone that uh, was walking the trails and he didn't, they, they always tell you to watch where you're going. Uh, don't leave the path. Because if you leave the path, you know, you can run afoul of these little creatures who are mm. basically invisible little gnomes or whatever, something like that, that, that um, don't take kindly to us people being in their territory. Right. And he said to his friend, uh, uh, or it might have been a cousin, stepped on something and he heard a little squeal <gasps> and he looked down and there was nothing there and he's like okay what oh whatever something must have run off and he said and there was nothing like nothing had punctured his foot or anything like that he hadn't stepped on anything that hurt him but later that day uh his foot swole oh. to like three times its size and like the doctors were like uh, we'll try this and nothing worked and they couldn't figure out what was done and so like only when he um went to a, a, a shaman mm-hmm. and uh, they like put salt and shit on there and like did a little prayer and said, yeah, you've got to go back to the path and like say you're sorry and whatever it is and like make an offering. Um, they do that, that is foot, not that is wow. foot as well. That's what's so cool about all these stories that like a lot of them, they have the, they kind of have the tone and the, and the, and the sort of um, the feeling of, you know, uh, a classic, like, you know, almost mythical Mm-hmm. ghost story but you know they tell them like that it like it happened a few weeks ago or just a few right. years ago and it's like yeah. it's kind of cool so it's like these storytellers still kind of they've they've managed hawaiian ghost storytellers managed to take sort of the mythological past and the present and dovetail them really really nicely makes me wonder too if like it's kind of you know like american gods right like the mm-hmm. more that a culture believes in something the more likely that thing the more power it it has. Yeah. So considering so many people have ghost stories and so many people just believe it's just a part of culture, then it would make sense that these, all of these creatures have a little more power because they have the belief behind them. There's just something they like, like, uh, like we've talked about it before, tulpas, you know, yeah. that can come into existence just because people kind of think them intensely mm-hmm. into existence and that can happen accidentally. There's, um, this has nothing to do with Hawaii, but it just made me think about this. There's a, uh, a story about uh, a house in New York that was uh, lived in by a very famous writer whose name I cannot fucking remember. It was commercially one of the most successful writers who've ever lived. And who wrote like something like 60 books. Oh, wow. Um, and, and that were very, very popular. And I cannot think of his name. I could look it up, but then... Um, no. Not the point. Uh, but he, his house... Uh, this guy was very active in like the first part of the 20th century and when he died his house changed hands and like people rented it and became apartments whatever people uh, people insisted on seeing this dark figure in a cloak and a a big floppy hat with a wide brim and like a like a a kind of um, 
not a mask, but like a bandana, you know, over the this person's mouth. And they would see this specter and be like, what? They would have all kinds of like theories of, well, what? Did someone die here? And there was people dug into the history of the house. There was nothing in the house's history to explain what, you know, who this ghost was or what it might be. It didn't look like the writer, didn't look anything. But it did just happen to look like that writer's most notable creation, The Shadow. Oh. And so the thinking is like, oh, people just kind of like maybe the, the power of that writer's imagination. Or. Literally broke the fourth wall. Or maybe the writer saw it and wrote a story about it. Maybe. Maybe. You know. But he wrote, he wrote a lot of memoirs and he never mentioned that. And there's, you know, again, nothing to explain prior to this man writing mm -hmm. about it. There's nothing to explain what it could be. What it could be. So oh, weird. But isn't that interesting how yeah. we, can, we can think things into existence? Perhaps. Absolutely. Perhaps. 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 I'm telling you, and, you know, as, as uh, over the top as some of these stories may seem, uh, man, when you're up there, when you're hiking through the wilderness or you see a waterfall and you're in that natural beauty, man, it is easy to be like, mm, I'm not going to leave the path. I'm going to stay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah. it's a kind of the same thing with New Mexico. There's just an energy there. And mm -hmm. in some areas mm -hmm. you can feel it more than you can in different areas. But it's like, it's just a, it's electric. Yeah. Even. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. I could do a whole other episode on Hawaiian I know, ghost stories. Yeah. I, just, I just wanted to pick like a five or six that were really kind of a nice range. They were good. I'm glad you, I told, I sent you, I ordered you to bring me back ghost stories and you did. And Yay. Good. Thank you. Yay. All right. Thank you. And thank you everybody for listening to uh, Ghoul uh, Intentions. Ghoul Intentions. Uh, do the things. Do the do reviews. Do all the things. Go to the you know. Get your shirts. Take pictures. Submit stories. Follow the tweets and the instas the and the Write Facebooks. Us reviews. Get the good reviews. Yeah, Five good stars. Reviews. All the good things. And uh, oh, is there a quote? Oh, there a is quote a quote. For me? <clears throat> yeah. We almost forgot the quote. I didn't forget. I was trying to remember all this other <laughs> stuff that I, I always forget. And remember. And remember, yet. it's time for a quote. Uh, okay, are you ready? Yes, I'm feeling confident. <laughs> confident, confident. Is that what you said? I'm feeling confident? Sure. All right. A boy's best friend is his mother. Psycho. Yes! Yeah. Two in a row. Oh, two in a row. It's never, never going to happen again. Never going to happen yeah, again. Yeah, because I'm going to make them harder. But <laughs> Those, yes. To be fair, the, the past two have been really easy. Well... Maybe. I didn't know. How That's do I? I don't know. Um, a boy's best friend is his mother is, of course, Anthony Perkins from Psycho. Norman Bates. Norman Bates. Ooh. There's a lot of... I feel bad for people with the last name Bates because there's a lot of shit that happens with those people. People with the last name Bates. It's also just... Bates. And, like, kids are cruel and you're in school and you have the last name Bates and then they're going to make a masturbation joke they out of your are. name every chance they get. Yeah, that's true too. <sighs> I got lucky. People just call me potato things because Tatum sounds like tater. No, they would sing Jamie got a gun instead of Janie got a gun. Aerosmith. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened Jamie to me. Jamie got a... That's, that's not an insult. That kind of That's giving you kind of a threatening quality. I know. Like, and it only made me mad because it wasn't really Jamie. I wanted songs with Jamie in them. Yeah. Weren't. <laughs> Such a bummer. Uh, but okay. Thank you guys again. Thanks for listening. And again, I apologize for mangling most of the words. Same. Uh, in mine, I'm terrible. We do our best, you guys. It's We're hard. So We're hard. Really hard. I know. We're just, I'm so bad at pronouncing things. 
So you're doing great. Because I'm a doing reader. Great, sweetie. And I read a lot, and I just don't encounter people that say the words out loud very often. Right. And, I'm like, oh, and then when they do say tour words, you make fun of them. Because <laughs> I've never heard it like that, but now I'm going to say it all the time. And tour words. Towards. Towards. I just say it. I guess I, in my head, you do it, it sounds apostrophe. like a T apostrophe yeah. W. Yeah. Towards. Towards. No, I do not ignore that O. It's important. That's an important <laughs> vowel. But anyway. We're going to look it up in a second and like hear what Google has to say. Yes, we are. You're probably going to be right. Probably. I may be right, too, though. Sometimes we're both right. It's, Often we're happened. both right. Often we're both right. That's true. Because, I mean, we are. You know what we're both right about? <gasps> to remember? It's, it's okay, okay to sleep, sleep with, with the, the lights, lights on. on.